always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these things remain, faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. Welcome Steve, who's um, going to come and speak to us now, um, and um, just say a short prayer Stephen as he comes. Dear Lord, we thank you that you have brought Stephen to us this morning, and we pray that you will speak through him about what you want us to hear through God's word. Amen.
that Jesus showed how human he was, as well as he was God. He looks down and he sees his mother there, and he says to John, look after her, oh my God. And that quite moved me again, just reading it, you know, his concern for his mother. And yet what he was going through and gone through was, was amazing. I've often been amazed at the time in history that's described in the Bible. You start with the Old Testament, <coughs> which we told includes at least a hundred, several hundred in fact, references of the coming person who will bring salvation to a needy world. Between the Old Testament and the New Testament, again, several hundred years, and then suddenly things began to happen. And Jesus was born. At this time, the Romans ruled the known world. And in their time, they were amazingly powerful. I don't know whether any of you have been to Rome. If you go to the Colosseum, it shows all, all the countries that they took over. And what an amazing group, amazing nation they were at that time. And they introduced the crucifixion as, as one of the ways uh, to, uh, to stop problems and so on. And it was such a gruesome thing that a few years later they got rid of it said we won't have it anymore. Now if Jesus had come some years earlier, he wouldn't have had this experience. Or a few years later, he wouldn't have had this experience. And I'm just, just amazed again as I was reading through the scripture how, how God planned the coming of Jesus. And uh, as we go through the Bible, it's amazing how it all locks together in so many ways. And for us as Christians, the Bible, the, the, the cross has become the center point of our belief. Because it was there that Jesus suffered for our <coughs> sin. At the cross, our sins were dealt with once and for all. We know at the cross there were two other manufacturers. One of them accepted Jesus and the other one rejected him. And we live in that sort of world today. That still goes on, doesn't it? There are those who seem to want to reject Jesus and some who want to accept him. Uh, after a carol service that I took some years ago, um, I was going on about the amazing birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And after I was speaking to one or two people, I spoke to a lady there and I said, said to her, it's an amazing story, isn't it? A lovely story. And she said, um, yes, if it wasn't all made up. I thought, wow. So, you know, when, when you have a, a, someone say that to you, what do you do? You, you sort of take a gulp and Lord, I need a word for this. Now, whether I got one or not, I don't 
over life as well. History tells us that the people who followed Jesus most, if not all of them, were martyred for their faith. And I said, if it was all made up, I wonder whether that would happen. You know, if there's anyone here who's never put their faith in Jesus, may I say this morning, now's the time. Give your life to the Lord Jesus. My own experience, I may have shared it last time I was here, but I don't know whether I did or not, but as a young person, brought up in a Christian family, and I was greatly blessed because of that. My parents demonstrated, as, as, as we've heard today, we, our families get together and they, they follow the Lord together, and that's lovely. Um, but my parents demonstrated what it was to be a Christian, and I suppose that must have impressed my life. But there came a point when one evening I'd gone out and heard someone talk about coming to Jesus, and that night I <coughs> and said, if Jesus did all this for me, the least I can do is follow him. And you know, that made so much difference to my life. And I look back now, that was the start of my faith in the Lord Jesus. And you know, I guess if I was to ask you to stand up and give your testimony, each one of us would have a different story to tell, wouldn't we? We call it faith. We call, we call this faith. Uh, we, we've recently, we were recently running with a, a discipleship course at Tesco, and there's some lovely folk there, and we see them every week. It's lovely to see people who have just come to faith. And we were talking about that this last week. How faith is a question of turning around and walking in another direction. Without faith, you walk in a different direction. But once you've accepted Jesus, you're called to walk in a different direction. And Bible calls that repentance. So maybe I've been walking in one direction, I come to faith in Jesus and I'm walking in another direction. And he becomes part of my life. We sometimes feel we're going through really rough times. And we certainly feel that today, historically. But can you imagine, as I've already said, what the cross must have meant to these people? Their lives have been absolutely shattered. And as I've, been, as I've already said, there were three Marys, and of course John, standing by the cross, just looking up at Jesus. And although each of these ladies should have different parts, to their characters, I wish to pick out three different headings today so that we can go, go home and just be thankful uh, for their testimony. You see, we've all got a story to tell, and they did too. So first of all, there was the mother of Jesus, Mary. What a journey she'd been on. A very special time in her life. <coughs> Amazing really, as she looked back. 
And she remembers those days when suddenly she met an angel. <laughs> wow, you would like to meet an angel. And uh, the angel said to her, you're going you're gonna to have a child. And she said, well, I'm not too young, I'm not married. I'm a single person. And the angel said, that's not a problem. And Jesus was born before she was married. And it wasn't a problem. And then you can imagine her in that stable with the baby and, and the people coming in one after another and, and making comments about this child. Um, her husband-to-be had a, had a dream, didn't he? And the dream was that, um, I want you to call his name Jesus because he could, he'll save his people from their sins. And then she must have thought to herself, wow, where's this all going to go? I always think, you know, when you first have a baby, you have four, four lads, and you look at the child when he's first born, you think, wow, what's he going to do in life? You'll be through that. And what Jesus, what Mary must have thought, she held her baby, this child, this child is, is so special, so different. And then, suddenly, uh, well, I suppose people have weddings, don't they, even in those days. And uh, John tells us about this wedding at Cana, and they're all gathered together, and the uh, wine was beginning to run out. I don't know how much wine they had there, but, uh, or how many people were there, but it seems strange. And what, what was it that Jesus, that uh, someone said to uh, Jesus' mother? Uh, we could be running out of wine here. Um, so she said, to, she said to this person, well, do whatever he says. And a lovely story, isn't it? And Jesus said to his mum, it's not right yet for me to do anything. And then the time came. And he said, now's the time. And the wine that was produced out of the, those bottles or however they used to do it, um, was the best wine. And the person who was in charge of the, of the wedding said, wow, this is something special. You usually have the best wine first. And then when we we're all a little bit enumerated, then you bring on the, the bad one. It's the other way around. But what I wanted to bring out there was an example of Mary's faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. She trusted in Him, and in that sense, in those few words, you do what He says when He says it. She showed faith. <coughs> Understand what she must have gone through. 
And you know, faith is something which we all talk about when you come to know Jesus as your Saviour. Um, and it's very special. It's a special thing. Uh, we, as I was saying, we had this discipleship course and we were trying to describe, ask someone to define what faith meant to them. And in the end I had to say, for me it was like going on a, an aeroplane and you trust the pilot will get you there. And uh, fortunately, he normally does. Uh, and, but there are times when you might be completely shattered. Your faith will be completely shattered. And the Bible goes on, and certainly in Timothy, talks about faith being a fight. And sometimes there may be here people who are really fighting. Their faith has become a fight. And also, faith and works go together. How do you demonstrate your faith? It's a question of what you do, how you reach out to others, how your heart is. Faith motivates you, a great motivator. And you wonder what happened to Mary between this time when she stood and looked at her child on the cross and then how much her faith must have been challenged and it wasn't until he came alive again that things got back onto track. And then second, Mary was the mother of, uh, I never realised this until I read it recently, she was the sister of, of Mary. Uh, she was the wife of uh, Cleopas. And for me, she talked about hope. If you remember, there were two of them on the way to Emmaus. And on their journey, they, they were walking along, talking about what was going on. They turned their back on Jerusalem, and they were moving away. And they were chatting about what was going on. And you, if you read that story, it says, we hoped, we had hoped. And she was, for me, a representative of hope in this case. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you can imagine what was going on in their lives at this time. The Romans were in charge, they were, being, they were subjugating the people, causing them not to be allowed to do what they wanted to do, and there they were, struggling with the whole situation. And there were a lot of people, I gather, in those days who had raised up rebellion against uh, the Romans. Uh, Pontius Pilate, I think, was, had got the uh, short straw because uh, each of these people from the centre of Rome had to go out and look after the various countries that they'd overcome. And the Jewish people were probably one of the worst group to keep under control. And here we, here we have it. Uh, I wonder whether, whether uh, this Mary had hoped with her husband that, that maybe Jesus would change the tide in their day. You got a hope? <coughs> Has your hope been dashed? What a great experience they had, didn't they? Suddenly someone came along and began to talk to them and began to tell them how the scriptures had been fulfilled. And their 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 hope. I just wonder what it must have been like to have sat down and broken bread.
suddenly this person disappears. Wow! What a change in their lives. Jesus is alive. And so the other person, the other Mary, Mary Magdalene, well, I expect you know what I'm going to say now. She was a great representative of love. And of course, in the Old Testament, there are four uh, references to love. In this, in our country, we, we just talk about love, and it can be talked about in all sorts of different ways. But in, in the Old Testament, there's uh, translations, there are four parts of love. And this love is a, an affection uh, which possesses you and causes you to reach out in a way that, that probably you never would otherwise. And this lady had, her, her, her background was amazing. She'd had uh, demons in her life and, and Jesus had come along and cast them out. And it had changed her life from being a person that was agitated and upset and in a terrible state, possessed. She became a person who was quiet and affectionate and loving. Jesus changed her life. Mark 16, verse 9, if you want to read. What a story. What a testimony. She found love. A love that I want to say this morning is a love that God has given to us. His love to us in spite of the fact that we, we sin and we, we let him down. He reaches out in love to us. And for her, it was an amazing motivator. She got up early in the morning, went down to the tomb. She was the only one who went. She just wanted to love him even, even though he was dead. And what happened? She met him. You know, I find I'm probably getting a bit old. I, kept, I, I was really moved when I read this again. What she must have felt. Wow. Jesus is my <coughs> John says that she was weeping by the tomb. And she said, Where have they taken him? Where's the body? She loved him in life and she loved him in death. This is what they call Akabe love. Selfless, unconditional, expecting nothing in return. What a testimony this lady would have had. And we read this morning, didn't we? In Corinthians, how Paul spoke to the church and he said, There's faith, there's hope, and there's love. And out of these three, the greatest is love. Friends, I just ask that my life might be more loving in terms of what I do and what I say and how I reach out to others. The greatest <coughs> demonstration we have of love is that Lord Jesus died on the cross for us. 
this what I have to say. I'm in the land. Let's just pray. Thanks now. 